family. Uh, We are continuing our study this morning through the book of Deuteronomy. We're going to be looking at Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 through 20. And specifically, we're going to look at and learn how we are to live when things are good and when things are bad. We're going to look at how to live when things are good and when things are bad. And so if you have your Bible, I invite you to stand. If you don't have a Bible, but you would like to have a Bible um, in front of you, Uh, In the bottom of the chair in front of you, there is a Bible available for you. Uh, You can use that Bible if you don't have a personal copy of God's Word. You can take that Bible home with you. We would love for you to do that. And if you're looking for Deuteronomy 8, it's on page 149 in that Bible. So uh, you are welcome to do that. And you can also follow along on the screen. But I promise no one is going to stop you or tackle you if you walk out the building today with that Bible. We will rejoice. We will be glad that you are taking a copy of God's Word with you. So this morning, we're learning how to live when things are good and when things are bad. In light of Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 through 8, this is God's Word to us. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams, and deep springs, gushing out into the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper. Out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land that He has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe His commands, His laws, and His decrees that I am giving you today. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when you Your herds and your flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied. Then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of a hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and to test you that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my strength and my power have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as today. If you forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. Like the nations the Lord destroyed before you, so you will be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God. May the Lord bless the reading of his word today. You may be seated as we go to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, I ask that in your mercy you would open our eyes to see and our ears to hear or that we might comprehend 
the depths of your mercy and your kindness to us, Lord, that we might know how to live when things are good and when things are bad. Lord, guard me from error. Bless your people this morning. We ask this in Jesus' matchless name. Amen. Well, we're going to begin with the bad news first. Right? That's how we like it. Tell me the bad news and then follow it up with good news. So we're going to begin with how to live when things are bad, because that's where the text begins, specifically looking at verses 1 through 10. If there was a principle to be taken away from these verses, it is this. Remember God in your trials. Remember God in your trials. These verses recount the Lord's dealings with Israel in the wilderness where the Lord humbled and tested them. Note this, that in the wilderness, the Lord provided everything that his people needed exactly when they needed it, but the people had to trust the Lord. They did not live with an abundance during those days, but the Lord met all of their needs. The Lord was teaching his people that they had to depend upon him for everything. As verse 3 clearly states, not just Israel, but all of humanity must learn that their life depends on God and God alone. Some of you, I even heard some amens kind of reverberating throughout the congregation whenever we read verse 3 of Deuteronomy 8, because it's a passage that many of us are familiar with, maybe even if we didn't know where it was from. This is the passage that Jesus quotes during his own trial in the wilderness with Satan. As Satan is tempting Jesus to question the provision of his father in the wilderness, Jesus responds by quoting a portion of Deuteronomy 8.3, which says, He humbled you, causing you to hunger, then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you what? That man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And what was Satan doing? Satan was tempting Jesus to turn a stone into bread to meet his need. But what does Jesus do? He submits himself, he humbles himself in faith to his father and says, I trust and believe that my father will provide everything that I need exactly when I need it. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word, everything that is provided from God alone. And there may be a tendency at times for us to interpret that passage and just think that what that means when it says that from the mouth of the Lord alone, that this idea is it's just related to what we can remember about what God has said, as if the only thing that we're supposed to do in the midst of temptation is just to remember a scripture of of the Old Testament or the New Testament that helps us get through. And that is certainly the case, but there's actually more being said here. It is certainly true that we need to remember what God has actually said. We need to remember his words. We need to hide his word in our heart that we might not sin against him, as Psalm 119 tells us. But but this verse is actually tapping in to the supernatural creative power of God that in the midst of great difficulty, God, by divine fiat, by his very word, can bring into existence provision that had never existed before. That's that idea of manna in the moment. Nobody was thinking that manna was available. They didn't even know what it was. In fact, what the word manna kind of meant 
What is it? <laughs> and, and so in the midst of the trial, God was teaching Israel, as Jesus himself was testifying, is that the God that is providing for me is not a God who is, who is conformed to or restrained by what my expectations are. He can make rocks give forth water. He can make bread fall from the heavens. Is there anything too difficult for my God in the midst of my trial? The answer is no. So when we declare that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, yes, it's true that it's talking about God's promises, but it's also saying this is the God that speaks worlds into existence. That's the God that is on my side. We must depend upon him instead of hoping in other things to take care of us. God is with us, and he is faithful even when things are bad. When work is hard, when marriage is difficult, when the children are disrespectful, or as one punk rock band would say, when the kids are just not all right. When the neighborhood is scary, when the pregnancies are full of pain, suffering, scarcity, and uncertainty, when the future is unclear, when the country is divided, when the income does not seem to be enough, when the prognosis is not good, when the grieving does not seem to have an end, when the relationships don't work out and when the friendships are lost, when the hurtful words continue to linger, in all the badness, in all this difficulty, when our souls are being tested and tried, the word of Deuteronomy 8, 1 through 10, is that God is still with us. He will not leave us, nor will he forsake us. We must remember him when things are hard. We must remember God in our trials, for even in these trials, he is committed to working all things together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose, according to Romans 8, 28. The first lesson that we learn in, Rome, in Deuteronomy 8 is to remember God in our trials. That's how we live when things are bad. But what about things, how are we to live when things are good? Because things are not always bad. Sometimes things are good. And Moses understood that, and the Lord understood that, and anticipates that one day they're going to be out of the wilderness and they're going to be in the land. If verses 1 through 10 deal with how we are to live when things are hard, when things are bad, verses 11 through 20 acknowledge that the hard times have an expiration date and that these times of abundance and blessing will come. So the second principle that I'd have us see in this passage this morning is not only are we to remember God in our trials? But secondly, do not forget God in your abundance. Do not forget God in your abundance. While the times of abundance and blessings will come, there is a real temptation to forget God when things are good. Verses 1 through 10 detail life in the bad time for Israel. The wasteland. But verses 11 through 20 anticipate life in the good times when things are comfortable, when things are easy, things are abundant in the promised land. There will be a time when they will put their weapons aside because they've driven out the inhabitants of the land and the fight will subside and there they will grow somewhat apathetic. And it is in these moments of abundance that God tells the Israelites that they must not forget him. We can be a lot like the Israelites. 
facing this same temptation. When things are good and easy, when we have more than enough, when we are cruising through life, our careers are taking off. We have an abundance of money and food and all kinds of other things. Our children have good grades and they're excelling in their extracurricular activities. Our relationships with our neighbors are good. Hey, the property values are going up, which, yes, means our taxes are going to rise. But at least I have equity in my home now. Our marriages are strong. Our doctors are impressed with our health. We're being recognized by our peers. Hey, the church, it's growing. Our companies are are growing. We are just living and enjoying this dream life. And it's in these moments that we can get so caught up in the abundance and in the gifts of God that we forget the giver of all these good gifts. And Moses says, that's idolatry. And the Lord says that there's going to be a temptation when times are hard for you to abandon the Lord. But there's also going to be a temptation when things are smooth and when things are abundant. That you are not going to pray like you did when things were hard. And that you are not going to lean and look to the Lord the way that you did whenever you did not know what the future was going to hold. And Moses and the Lord says... This is a temptation that we have to overcome. We, like the Israelites, are prone to this very thing. When things are good, we must not forget God. When we have all we need, brothers and sisters, friends, visitors, guests that are here today, we have to remember what Jesus said in Luke 12, 15, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. If there was a message that is contrary to the flow and the rhythms of the world that we live in, it is that. Because the world that we live in says, no, in fact, life does consist of the abundance of things. Jesus said, oh, be on guard. Your life is more than the things that you accumulate in this world. You are not your possessions. You are not your retirement plan. You are not your career. You are God's child. And everything that you have been blessed with comes from him. And your remembrance of him in these things ought to be clear in the way that we bless him. And we thank him with grateful hearts, lest we forget him and turn his gifts into idols. Whether things are good or bad in your life, God's instruction to us this morning in Deuteronomy 8 is to remember him. We are to place our trust in him alone. We are to be grateful for his gifts. I'm not suggesting that we should live some sort of ascetic lifestyle where we don't enjoy his good gifts. He's given us all things richly to enjoy, but there is a fine line between our enjoyment of those things and our reliance and worship of those things. You say, how do I tell the difference? Well, you're worshiping it And you're relying upon it if the idea of losing it shakes you to your core. We cannot live in our own strength. We cannot put our hope in these things that he has provided. We have to put our hope in him, the one who provides us with all things. We need what he has provided for us. And Deuteronomy 8 would encourage us, do not forget the Lord. 
When things are hard, don't forget him. When things are good, don't forget him. You always depend upon him. He will take care of you. And the greatest way that God, in his mercy and his kindness, has chosen to take care of us is in the greatest gift of his grace that he has provided in salvation for eternal life. It is a gift, according to Ephesians 8-10. through There is no greater gift that God has provided than his gift of salvation. It's so great that, in fact, if you received all the other gifts that he provides in your life, but you fail to receive this gift, the gift of salvation, you have gained nothing at all. Jesus would say, what does it profit a person to gain the whole world and yet lose their soul? Just as we cannot ultimately provide for our earthly life apart from God's provision, we cannot earn or secure eternal life apart from God. Yet God, in his mercy, sent his son, even while we were sinners, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, in the world to save us if we would call upon him in faith. The good news this morning is that if you have never placed your trust in Jesus, you can receive that free gift this morning by calling upon him. The question before you is, would you receive it? Deuteronomy 8 is all about what God provides, remembering who he is and what he has done for us. But of all the things that he has provided, he has provided eternal life in his son. Would you receive it? How do I receive it? You simply ask the Lord to have mercy upon you, to forgive you of your sins, to save you, to give you the eternal life that you so desperately need. If in this moment you have cried out in your heart of hearts and said, Lord, just have mercy upon me, save me, forgive me. The promise of his word is that he hears you and he is faithful to answer that prayer. In a few moments as we close, we will have prayer leaders up here at the front to be able to pray with you and guide you in what it means to call upon the Lord, and I would invite you to do so. They would love to help you take the next steps in following Jesus, but I would stress these things that you would not, I would beg you to not get distracted by all the other things that you could put your hope in this morning, that you would put your hope in God alone who has provided forgiveness and salvation to you in Jesus Christ and that you would remember him and you would think of him and you would be grateful and you would receive this free gift which he promises to pour out on all who would call upon him. But then for those of you that need prayer in other areas, our prayer leaders will be available. You may need someone to pray with you because you are facing a hard time and you need them to help you remember and not forget the Lord and they would love to pray with you, to point you to the God who cares for you in all of your troubles. Or maybe you recognize, wow, I have been living in a state of abundance and I'm grateful for that abundance, but now I realize how I've put my hope in that instead of in God and I need to repent and express my gratefulness to him. I need someone to pray with me and guide me in that. These prayer leaders will be available for that as well. But if you leave today, the message that I would want you to hear, above all things, is to remember what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. To remember the great gift and the great blessing that he has provided that you would receive it by faith today. That you would not put your hope in anything that this world could offer, but in God alone. To the praise of his name and the good of your soul. As you reflect on the message this week, feel free to reach out to our staff by emailing care at copperfieldchurch.com 
We would love to hear from you and pray for you. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and our other podcast, Equip for Good. Thanks for listening.